Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. I'm Tech Sergeant Johanna Ackerberg. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So Dr. Walker, what's today's topic? Well, today we are excited to have joining us Tech Sergeant Northcutt from uh, our wing safety program. He's our wing safety guy. And he's going to talk to us today about risk management and how that uh, applies to resilience. And some, some people may be thinking that uh, the idea of risk management doesn't really have a lot to do with the pillars that we talk about, but um, I actually think it's there's a perfect parallel, and I'll give the story from something that happened to me just yesterday. So Monday morning, if you can picture it, um, I'm getting ready in, in my bathroom. I've, I've got shorts on. I'm putting on shaving cream, and all of a sudden, I hear the garbage truck coming from down the street, and I, I have this realization, oh no, I haven't set out the trash. And our, our trash can is overflowing with stuff. We just moved. And so we threw away a ton of stuff. It's bulky. It's heavy. Got to get rid of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So I drop what I'm doing. I run downstairs. Again, picture this. I'm barefoot, wearing only <laughs> shorts, like gym shorts, have uh, all my shaving cream on my face. I'm sprinting out to the trash can and hauling it uh, to the front of the street. And in, in this you know, sporadic movement, I actually ran over my foot with a wheel of the trash can. Now, it doesn't sound bad, but let me remind you, this was extremely heavy because uh, all the stuff we'd thrown away. So uh, I actually thought I might have broken my foot. I went to the ED later that day just to get x-rayed and make sure, you know, checked out fine. I'm good, but for the rest of that day, I was limping. My foot throbbed and hurt inside my boot of my uniform. Um, it soured my mood. So right there, that's you know physical pillar, the mental pillar. And I'm sure I probably wasn't reacting to other people the same way I might normally because I was in pain. Yeah. So well, let's it, not forget the spiritual pillar where you were cussing. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if that uh, is necessarily <laughs> accurate, but if I just applied good risk management principles, then I would have found myself in that situation. So, uh, Sergeant Northcutt here is going to talk to us about how we can be better risk managers and and how that maps on uh, precisely to resilience. All right, I think the purpose is to first define what is risk management. Okay. Risk management is simply a decision-making tool, is identifying problems or hazards before they occur. Simple as simple as, something as simple as driving home from work. What route are you going to take? Most people get in a habit of taking the same route over and over. Mm-hmm. With this Virginia traffic here, I get in a habit of checking my maps on my phone and saying, okay, the interstate's closed off because too many people are trying to use the interstate. I'm going to take the back roads. Sometimes it doesn't work out because an accident happens. And mm-hmm. Those are things that we cannot see, but it's all about accepted risk. And risk acceptance is another part of risk management. It's not saying, risk management is not saying don't accept any risk. Mm-hmm. It's saying what risk are you willing to accept and at what level can you accept the risk at? Okay, so so there's certain levels of acceptable risk, right? So um, we have to get from point A to B. We may know that's a high traffic time, or the the road conditions may be hazardous. Say, it, you know, just snowed recently, or or it's wet because it just rained, um, or we know there's an accident on the freeway. Um, we have to take that into consideration when we're term, when we're determining what is an acceptable level of risk. For or that let's say someone's training. We have a lot of folks who do endurance and mm-hmm. significant athletic events, whether it's like a CrossFit type 
activity or training. I know in marathon training in the summer, it'll be a three, four hour run. Mm -hmm. So from a risk management standpoint, it's like, do I have adequate water? Um, Do I have sun protection on? How far can I go before um, there's you know, a degradation in my performance and also to health. Like if you're out running, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 something miles and you don't have adequate water, well, there's a risk there. Would that fall into this category as well? It would. Yeah. And and I think your equipment goes along with that too. So, you know, gear, uh, skills and plan that check three, uh, motto. Um, I think to give your marathon example, um, uh, a further dig, uh, some people don't have the right shoes, you know, or, or they've been wearing the same shoes for like three months, a year, and they're all worn down, not providing mm-hmm. a lot of cushion, and they may not know this, but they're doing damage to their knees and to their ankles, um, just from not having the right equipment. But, but it's that that's not apparent initially, right. right? So it's over time you see those injuries kind of pop up because of it. So learning how to be resilient, especially, and to apply this risk management kind mm-hmm. of toolkit can help you, because most of our folks are going to keep pushing ahead like we're all innovators we push hard in the swing so for instance maybe you're a runner and you're you're doing 10ks or a half marathon well maybe your next goal is a i don't know 20k or full marathon whatever mm-hmm. it may be you're going to keep pushing ahead you need to make sure you're realizing what it takes to get to that next level and that's the first step is realizing the hazards assessing the hazards identifying the hazards and then you assess the hazards to see What's going to happen if something goes wrong? Let's take running out of water, for example. You're training for a full marathon, and you run out of water halfway through the training. What are your options? You can either keep training and risk becoming dehydrated, or you can stop your training and realize that you need to go get some more water, and maybe pick up that training after you get some more water. Mm -hmm. What's going to be the best course of action? Sure, you may not get the run time you're looking for. However, you'll be finishing your workout with a full tank of water in you. And that's something to consider because most of us will just power through. We'll mm-hmm. say, well, I'm out of water, but there's only 12 more miles. And that, that does <laughs> result in some significant injury. And that's not just in physical. We're kind of aiming in that area, but this mm-hmm. happens in all areas of our life. Maybe you're really tired. You've worked 14 hours and you think, oh, I'll just keep pushing through on something that isn't time sensitive. We're not talking the ops floor or anything. And you say, uh, but it starts putting that mental stress. And just like running with bad shoes, mm-hmm. it's that with our minds. Like over time, that does cause some long could cause long term issues if you keep pushing those sixteen seventeen hour days mm-hmm. um, again on non like emergency issues. Just want to be clear. If there's something in your ops floor and you have to work those long days, we've all done it. But sometimes people will stay just to stay to work on projects, thinking it'll help, but it does have long term effects. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what's the next principle of risk management? Well, the next principle of risk management is identifying what type of risk management to take. There's two uh, styles of risk management. You have deliberate risk management, and then you also have real-time risk management. Deliberate risk management is focusing on, okay, I'm going to go on a long-distance travel. Say the holidays are coming up, and we are going to be, a lot of people are traveling. I myself refuse to fly on the holidays. Okay. So let's say I want to go visit my family who live in Missouri during Christmas. Okay. So I have to drive all the way to Missouri, a 14 hour drive, and I got to make some decisions. Mm -hmm. Am I going to try making the drive all in one take? What's the weather going to be like? How do I prepare my vehicle and myself and my dogs for the weather? Do I even want to take the dogs who can watch the dogs? There are so many things you got to think about ahead and plan to make that happen. And then there's going to be things that you can't, plan and you're going to have to deal with on the spot and dealing it with on the spot is the real-time risk management mm-hmm. say you get a flat tire oh he didn't foresee that happening but you foreseen okay so 
but in your deliberate plan, you foreseen, okay, so I know I have a spare tire in my car. I know how to change a tire. What else do I need to change a tire? Maybe a poncho if it's raining, because changing a tire sucks. Changing a tire <laughs> in the rain, getting soaked and wet, really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have to force sometimes, like, ourselves to think. Sometimes I think we're so rushing. In this case, going, we want to go visit family. We rush. And what this process does is it says, like, look, slow down. Think it through. What will I need in the worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Stoic philosopher who would constantly say, what is the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? And when you take kind of that viewpoint and say, okay, what's the worst that could happen in this situation? Oh, this, mm-hmm. this, and this. What would I need to be prepared for? It's the Boy Scout motto, right? Be prepared. Just check what you've got and make sure you're good to go. Um, and then on the, in the moment, the more mindful you are, the less distracted you are, by these other concerns, the easier it is to respond to things like maybe a deer running in the road or any of those things that still happen even locally. Yeah, that's great. Um, another parallel I was just thinking of was uh, in Dave Ramsey's financial management courses. Mm-hmm. He talks about um, ways to to save up for these possible contingencies that we can't expect. So you know, you're not just um, trying to, to manage your debt and make sure that you're uh, saving for certain things like college and retirement, but you also have some cash set aside for those worst case scenario type instances, those things that you can anticipate. Um, but if we're if we're uh, demonstrating good risk management, then we are trying to plan as much as possible for the the, the rainy day, right? Murphy. The what ifs. Yeah. That's right. right. So, what's the next uh, risk management principle? Okay, so we talked about the lessons. Now we're going to talk about more so of how risk management can affect resiliency within uh, how they play in hand in hand, and how when you're stressed and you don't practice good risk management you will increase your chances of getting involved in a mishap. Sure, because when you're stressed out, um, it, it laser focuses your mind, and sometimes you don't take into account all the information. You, you can't make as good decisions, and so you find yourself at increased risk for a mishap. So a little story I have. Last year I was at my girlfriend's for Thanksgiving, and she, she has a small kitchen, and we were busy cooking everything. The turkey's ready, and... I'm getting a pumpkin, not a pumpkin pie, but the sweet potato casserole out of the oven. And I grabbed the last oven mitt in the drawer. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about this oven mitt. It's not my place. And I put it on, and I go to grab the pan, and it burns right through the pans, right between my thumb and my forefinger, my pointer finger. Oof. I lift it up and put it on, and I just hold my hand. What could have I done at that moment to foresee that happening? Well... I don't think there's really much I could have done because I just assumed that the oven mitt was going to be good. Mm-hmm. However, and should that oven mitt be in the... <laughs> I'm kind of throwing my girlfriend under the bus, but <laughs> should that oven mitt have been in the drawer if it wasn't good? Right. Now, right after that incident, we did get rid of that oven mitt and yeah. we bought some new ones. It's not suitable for the task, yeah. <laughs> However, a lot of times with mishaps, you have to understand that in order for something to be identified and corrected, something needs to go wrong first. Mm. And unfortunately, burning my hand went wrong first before that oven had to be thrown out. Yeah. That brings up a good point, is that there are lessons to be learned from these mishaps that occur. And it can, if we focus on, okay, what went wrong, what can we do to improve upon this in the future, or even prevent this from happening in the future, it will keep us from making the same recurrent mistakes. Mm-hmm. I also think that by looking at it as not 
a blame game. Because so many times when things happen, like, you know, getting burnt, instead of yelling at your girlfriend or getting angry that you got burnt, really looking at what actually happened, and it was just a mishap, and it's not someone's actual fault. You weren't wronged personally. Correct, and uh, taking that perspective to the Air Force level, that's what safety is all about in the Air Force. We're not trying to blame anyone on the mishaps that we have. We're trying to investigate the mishaps and learn from them so they don't reoccur. Because we can learn so much from the mishaps that have happened in the past. And we do learn from the mishaps that have, have happened in the past. Yeah. Like, I learned I'm not going to do trail running for a while <laughs> after breaking my ankle right. uh, two and a half miles into a run. And my thought process at that point was actually, well, let me just try to jog it off. I mean, it's probably just a sprain. <laughs> also a bad life decision, let me tell you. So two and a half miles of trying to jog it off did not do me very well. Nor did going to work for half the day before going to get emergency help. Uh, That's called dysfunction. It is called dysfunction. It is. It totally is. That's brainwashing. That is. (laughs) So, Sergeant Northcutt, can you summarize those, um, the principles that you just talked about for us? Okay, so I think the summary of the principles, what we need to focus on is the first principle, which is accept no unnecessary risk. Hmm. That being said, think everything through when you can and accept a risk up to the point where you find comfortable. Okay. And Sergeant Ackerberg, you had something about um, how emotions play a role in decision-making. Yes, sir. I definitely believe that if we're not in tune with how we're feeling, we tend to make some really poor decisions. Mm-hmm. And so by kind of just checking yourself, you know, what are, what are your feelings, what are your moods, and they're not just happy, sad, or hungry. We have a lot more than that. Um, and so by taking that into consideration, I think it can help when we react to certain things or when we're trying to take a risk or looking at risk management overall. So taking the emotions out of it could uh, keep us from having a road rage incident where we take a baseball bat to another person's car. Yes, so my drive home every day, yes. (laughs) It's funny, I saw it yesterday on the ride home. Just going back, someone was clearly trying to get around someone they couldn't mm-hmm. and the car just stopped in the middle of an intersection to block them and then it turned into this major argument all the cars are kind of rolling back and it's just amazing how quickly these our amygdala mm-hmm. hijack happens that part of your brain takes over and says look fight or flight and i'm gonna fight mm-hmm. and honestly it's it's not worth it because you never know what that other driver um, has in their vehicle <laughs> right. in southern virginia so emotions so, flare decision making mm-hmm. goes out the window and then you find yourself open up to all kinds of risks that could have been avoided exactly yeah and what this relates to for safety is the human factors when we do our investigations and the state of mind and i'm going to kind of steal uh, this from marlon wayans off his tv show he has when he was teaching a bunch of kids basketball the state of mind does not fun essentially i mean some people really enjoy looking into why people do things and what their state of mind is but we're going to take the fun out of fundamentals and focus on the mentals of (laughs) the state of the mind when you either overconfidence in your actions say driving is something everyone most of everyone can relate to when you're overconfidence in your actions that's the state of mind and that can lead to a mishap when you're emotional say you're really angry your finances aren't in good shape, your significant other just broke up with you, you're not going to be in the right mindset, really, to drive, especially at rush hour. Maybe you need to take an hour or two away from everything and get settled in. Sounds good. Good advice. I also like to leave you the advice that life doesn't fall into place, so if you're Archer fans, you can't live life like Archer. It doesn't (laughs) magically fall into place. (laughs) There is some risk management involved. I like it. Okay, well, on that note, I think we'll wrap up on this. 
And, uh, and thank you, Sir Northcutt, for uh, your pearls of wisdom. We appreciate you coming here to talk to, about, talk to us about risk management and how that plays into resilience. So thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. Tech Sergeant Johanna Ackerberg. And I'm Tech Sergeant Northcutt. Until next time, if you need us, please reach out to us via the global address list. And finally, we want to thank you for your donation.